Hello, I'm Anthony Sana. I'm Dr. Michael Smith. And this is episode seven of Fusion Health Radio. Your muscles are amazing. Welcome to Fusion Health Radio, your source for inspiration, information, and insight on what it really takes and what really matters on your journey to abundant health. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Fusion Health Radio. Uh, today we're talking with Dr. Michael Smith about muscles and how amazing they are. Uh, before we unravel what's happening today, let's talk just a little bit about what we talked about in the last podcast. Uh, we talked about uh, why dieting doesn't work. The upshot of that was? You can eat as much real food as you need. Cool. I wouldn't say want, but as much as you need. Uh, as long as you're physically active, uh, you avoid opportunities to eat excessively, uh, you're going to be fine. If you go back to that podcast, you can learn about uh, what's called uh, angiogenesis, which has to do with uh, vascular tissue that supports fat and how important that is for getting through plateaus. And also about the evil, scary thing we call leptin resistance, which is where a lot of people who are uh, chronically overweight who've tried dieting and then they just end up gaining it back. Uh, There's actually a hormonal imbalance in the background. And uh, luckily it's solvable. It just takes uh, quite a bit of fortitude and time and patience. But you can turn it around for sure. Yeah, and the takeaway I got from the whole idea around dieting and what works and what doesn't work is that it's not necessarily, dieting isn't necessarily for overweight people. I think that would be really cool if we can figure out how to make this happen. To have a word for diet that means I'm trying to lose weight in a healthy way. A word for diet that means I'm trying something completely crazy and it's probably going to hurt me. And a word for diet that means I'm really just wanting to be healthy for whatever reason. You could be dealing with a chronic illness or you just want to be healthy because that, that we end up using the same word for all three of those situations and they mean completely different things and usually end up with completely different outcomes. Yeah. So Well, um, on my part, I just tried to find a word or a phrase that could sort of uh, summarize whatever it is that I'm up to around uh, diet. And diet for me has always been uh, trying to discover what works, not what to avoid. Um, And uh, so I came up with Health Seeker. Nothing new, but that's kind of where I fit into the whole thing. I've been trying to use the terminology healthy way of eating when I'm talking about eating for health and diet because it's been hijacked by, I need to lose weight. (laughs) Yeah, hijacked by Hollywood and South Beach and pineapples and every other lame diet book you can think of out there. Okay, so let's get to it. Uh, Today we're talking about the topic of muscles. Uh, Your muscles are amazing. So, Michael, what's so amazing about muscles? So, we're all aware that your liver is an internal organ. Your kidneys are an internal organ. Some of us might even know that your skin is an internal organ. But... Now, hang on. Skin's an internal organ? Well, it's an organ. Okay. Thanks. (laughs) Your muscles are technically an internal organ as well because in the sense of the number of actual cells that have a kind of respiration in the sense that they move energy and hormones and things like insulin and sugar around, the muscles in your body are technically the biggest organ in your body, right? Because in in the sense of volume of interaction with the rest of your circulatory system. So I remember hearing something about uh, the skin is the largest largest organ in your body or largest organ on your body. That's we're going to say skin is the largest organ on your body and the muscles are the largest organ in your body. Okay. If they're an organ, they've got some kind of, I mean, when I think of organs, like my liver, my stomach, and pancreas, and spleen, and everything else that's down there, they all have something to do with how I deal with food. Yeah. But 
my muscles just sort of pick me up and move me around, don't they? Well, but how do they do that? <laughs> well, you're the doctor, you right. tell me. <laughs> well, this is the thing is, if, if you just take a moment and just picture the, the, the human body, you know, there's a liver, it weighs, you know, three or four pounds and, you know, kidneys, you know, they're about this big and they have a fairly specific job. But if you were to look at your muscles, they would be kind of like um, the regulatory organ. You know, if there's extra adrenaline in your, in your body because you just got some really um, challenging message on your email, as long as you have a good muscle organ in the sense that you keep it active, uh, you're going to clear off that adrenaline more quickly than if you've been sitting down playing, I don't know, solitaire on your computer for the last three years. The same thing when you're looking at blood sugar issues, you're looking at um, tissue repair processes, if your muscles are active, if they get enough vitamin R or resistance training, then that organ system is going to be running at a good metabolic rate. Right? And as long as your muscles are toned, you're going to have more of what we call the human growth hormone. And that means you're going to repair other organs and other tissues more effectively. And this gets really important after about 40 years old because uh, your ability to produce and maintain the human growth hormone goes down. So that organ can either be really abundant uh, or it can be, you know, basically, you know, doing the minimal it can actually do for you. So your muscles are part of the whole function of the body. I mean, it's not just something that's sort of there. When I hear people talking about skin being an organ, uh, I mean, I'm aware of that um, in terms of whatever cosmetics I don't use. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't used a commercial deodorant in, I don't know, decades because that stuff always bothered me, couldn't ever stand the smell, um, and I've used alternatives ever since, right? But I've known that that's part of whatever's going into me, mm -hmm. so I've got that. Um, but somewhere it just never twigged to me that my muscles were in the same sort of category as being uh, an integral part of the whole flow of what my body does in terms of digestion. Yeah, I mean, there's a Chinese medicine metaphor, I think, uh, hopefully this will come across the way I understand it. We say that the, the muscles of your body are basically the soil of the body in the sense of that it, if you have a, a little biosphere and there's plants and there's water and there's nutrients moving in and out um, from compost into growth, the thing, the medium that would allow all that stuff to happen would be the soil. And the soil by itself, you know, is on one level inert. But without the soil, all the other processes can't happen. So it's sort of the medium, but also the, the transport of things. So the muscles burn off a lot of energy, and they produce a certain amount of waste. And in that process, they regulate um, your body's ability to basically run its metabolism. So there's a thing around um, human evolution that I think is really, really something everybody needs to know. And, and I apologize, it's really annoying, you know, certain facts are just annoying. Human beings are designed for efficiency. Efficiency meaning? The best use of energy. Okay. So throughout history, you know, scavenging and foraging and occasionally starving, our metabolisms have naturally evolved to, let's make sure we're burning the least amount of energy when we aren't burning energy. So every one of your muscle cells uh, needs to actually be active, right? So it can't like completely go dormant. Uh, I mean, maybe they would appear in a coma, but because they have to all be uh, able to be active just in case they're needed, they're going to run at the minimum amount of efficiency possible in the sense of if your muscles had spark plugs in them uh, and you weren't very active, your, your body would retool the engine of your cell to only need two spark plugs. 
right? Because as long as it can get up and get moving if you need it to, then that's its primary goal, save spark plugs. Because if it's got a bunch of extra spark plugs in there and you don't have enough food, you're actually gonna die sooner. Mm. It, that makes me think of the, uh, I guess it's a physics principle, law of physics, an object at rest wants to stay that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. An object in motion wants to keep moving. Yeah. Uh, use it or lose it. Yeah. So if you're a person who isn't consistently activating your muscles, then the number of mitochondria or spark plugs is going to go down to the, the base minimal level for you to survive, right? Which is what makes a lot of people gain weight because if your muscles don't need the calories to just stay revving along, the calories have to go somewhere else. You know? And so whatever you're eating, the fuel for your muscles just turns into fat yeah. because you're Muscles don't need that fuel. Yeah, because you've got a bunch of two-cylinder engines. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right, and again, that's that's the thing is if, if your muscles as a functional organ are not forced by their particular favorite vitamin, which is resistance training, um, they're going to go into a, a relatively dormant state. You know, and we can all sit there frustrated as heck. You know that you know you could be sitting next to your twin brother. Who just happens to be into CrossFit or something, and you know you're 20 or 30 pounds overweight, and you have the same genetics, and you know you exercise a little bit, but not nearly as much, and you eat as much as you want, and you have a day job or a desk job, hmm. you know. So I mean that, that's the frustrating part is you really have to effectively maintain your muscles as an organ for them to have the optimal number of spark plugs or mitochondria in every cell. So it sounds like the, the body's efficiency by design is something that actually keeps us healthy. I mean, that even seems kind of silly to even suggest that, but because of the way the muscles work and because of the need for the muscles to keep moving in order for the muscles to actually do what they do to help us digest, you know, just move and you'll be healthy. Yeah, but the opposite is the big warning. Which is? If you don't maintain the health of your muscles as an organ, they will fail you. And what does that look like? Uh, you're going to be moody, you're going to have hypoglycemia or other blood sugar issues, you're going to gain weight way faster than you would have otherwise in your life, it's going to be harder to burn off if you have gained some extra fat around your belly or your bum, um, because you have to basically rebuild that whole organ system uh, to its optimal uh, metabolic rate in order for it to do its job, and it's going to take some time for it to catch up. I mean, so many people have the misconception that when you go to the gym and exercise, that's the calories you're burning, right? Oh, I'll go burn a thousand calories in the gym. It's like, well, maybe that's true, but what's more important is the calories you're going to be burning for the next 30 to 40 hours to basically rebuild and repair your muscles as, as an organ to make them able to run at that kind of exercise normally. It all sounds pretty simple, but it all sounds pretty complicated. Well, yeah, I mean, the simplest thing in the world is go to the gym or your basement, pick stuff up, put it down, repeat. Keep doing that and you will get younger and leaner and healthier. <laughs> you know, in the sense of, it's like, I, I wish I could do a, a fitting caveman kind of accent example, but you know, it's caveman smart, like it's that simple. What's going on in the background and how important it may be to know about how your muscles work to get the optimal benefit from your time doing your grog, pick stuff up, put things down, is what this podcast is all about. Because if you know a few details about how muscles work and how to work with them, you're going to save yourself a lot of time. And potentially you could turn yourself into a fitness model if that happened to be what you're up to. Hmm. Okay, so if it is literally that simple of 
you know, hug me caveman, pick up rock, put down rock. Um, I don't know. So, somewhere in there, right, there's got to be more to it than that. Like, is there a list of steps that i got to follow in order to even get to that place? Yes, sir, there is, and that's what we're doing here today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, lay it on me. Lay it on you. So as I've mentioned, we have these little things in, in cells, uh, obviously muscle cells called mitochondria, and they're like little spark plugs. And, I mean, this is unfortunately a, not an environmentally friendly analogy, um, but you want to take all of your muscle cells from your little putt-putt kind of, you know, three-cylinder, whatever, you know, super efficient little car to a nice big healthy V8 that's got like a growly sound to it. And the only way to do that is through um, resistance training, but specifically through what you call circuit training. So the idea of circuit training is lower weights, higher repetitions, uh, in a, a deter determined block of time. So I usually start people off with whatever weight they can do, uh, lift repetitively for 45 seconds uh, to the point where there's fatigue, but you're, you're still, you have good form and you're um, you're not panting or anything, you're just, you know, getting the muscles to do repetitive, consistent motions. Um, so then you take 15 seconds off and then move to another station or, you know, other exercise equipment and do another exercise for 45 seconds. And during the 15 second break, you'd go to, you know, the next one. And sometimes we'll go and put uh, little numbers in the gym for people and say, okay, here's exercise one through 15. And everyone's kind of like a choo-choo train going through the, the circuit together. And uh, once you've gone through 15 minutes, you know, you could stop there and go, okay, that was fun. Or you could do the circuit again. So now you've got 30 minutes, you know, or you could do it again. Now you've got 45 minutes. And depending on your metabolic state, your uh, overall fitness uh, goals and results you're looking for, how many times you're going to go through that circuit, you know, are, are going to change. But in general, if you can do it once, see if you can do it twice. If you can do it twice, see if you can do it three times. Because you're trying to build the mitochondria in your muscles and they need lower weight, higher reps. So the idea of doing a 15-minute circuit sounds really simple. Are the exercises simple as well? well? I think it's like anything, you know, uh, if you know how to do a bicep curl, you do. And if you don't, you might have someone show you, or you could go on YouTube and type in bicep curl strict, and you'll have a thousand people show you exactly where your elbow should be and your shoulder blade should be and, you know, where you should aim your wrists and if you should have your palms in or up and all these different details. It's not in any way difficult to learn. I mean... Depending on your uh, neck, in terms of injury and health, low back injury and health, other joints, um, you'll find out. But start gradual, work your way up. Because um, with anything, if you overdo it at the beginning, you're going to have a negative outcome and be less likely to continue with it. I mean, I always recommend get an accountability workout buddy where you're, you know, every Wednesday, every Friday, every Sunday, whatever it is, you meet, you, you know, have whatever smoothie you're going to have. You warm up, you stretch, and then you train. Is there any kind of uh, support that people can get from you around that? Well, there's a mem membership site called 40 Hours to Fit. Uh, All right. 40HOURS, number two, FIT, 40 Hours to Fit, uh, where me and uh, my partner in that, uh, Brody Whitney, who's a really, really great life coach, uh, business coach, um, the guy works for Tony Robbins, you know, so he's up there with, with that kind of thing. We got together over a period of a year and a half and got into amazing shape together um, and filmed the whole process and, and you know made it as a, a kind of prepackaged website for people who want to learn everything you need to know about fitness. And the people who've actually checked out that site, 
to my surprise, it says, your your site is more like for training fitness trainers than just the general public. And I'm like, well, I would want it to be thorough, I want to be safe. So there's way more than most people need up there on that site. But that would be a good place to sort of get a sense of what the whole circuit thing is. Yeah, you- well, yeah, we go through every exercise to show people how to do it. I'm not trying to say, don't do that process because it's too much for you, just saying there's more than you need. So you're going to get all kinds of extra stuff that's going to make sure you're um, really, really good at this. Because yeah, why not? Yeah, absolutely. So step one, we're going to build those mitochondria, and that takes a minimum of three weeks being in the gym at least three times a week. And again, that's at whatever level works for you, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so step two? Yeah, step two is to um, get into a slight and important uh, aspect of muscle anatomy. So there's different kind of what are called fast or slow twitch fibers. Some people say there's four, some people say there's five, some people even say there's seven different kinds, depending on how precise you need to be. But we have what are called fast twitch muscle fibers that have the job of moving uh, as rapidly as possible, hence the name fast twitch, but they're only actually able to do their job for about 10 seconds, right? Because they're kind of like the super, you know, intense emergency tactic muscle fiber. Then you have another fast twitch fiber that's good for about two minutes. Then you have sort of intermediate fibers, and then you get into the slower twitch muscle fibers that actually become really only um, completely um, doing their job after about 20 minutes, right? And they can run for, you know, as long as you train them to run after that, in the, in the sense of human potential for endurance. But I'm holding up my hand. Uh, fast twitch muscle fibers are um, really big in the sense of cross section. So if you took your other hand, and grab yourself by the wrist and imagine, okay, that's the relative size of a fast twitch fiber. And then you take your hand and grab your other little finger. That's the relative size of a slow twitch muscle fiber, right? So in the sense of cross-section or how much space they take. So once you've built enough mitochondria, you want to actually try and uh, induce as much growth as possible in the muscle or as you're willing to in the muscle. Because I know a lot of women that I've trained who they want to be fit, they want to have a healthy metabolism, but they don't want to look like a man in the sense of muscle definition. So you have to balance this out depending on what you're going to want for definition. But if you want definition in a hurry, uh, you have to basically do what are called accelerated circuit training, uh, where you're doing similar kinds of exercises, but now you're moving as fast as you can with respect to acceleration and uh, gravity, as well as as slow as you can with respect to what are called negatives. So I pick the weight up. Uh, very strictly but very very rapidly and put it down very strictly and rapidly and up very strictly and rapidly for maybe 20 seconds and then I I try and do 10 seconds where I pick the weight up and let it go down as slow as possible which technically you're still accelerating against the acceleration of gravity because it's all about making the muscles work uh, in the sense of rate right which you don't need to know the physics of that but as long as you've done that you're going to be building this these really big uh, muscle fibers. So you're going to get definition, but more importantly, uh, the metabolic uh, needs that your body is going to use up to produce those fibers and to make the muscles throughout your frame that much effectively stronger is going to burn up more calories than the, the workout itself could ever do. Not to mention you're going to be swimming or simmering in the human growth hormone because now you're secreting the kind of hormones that actually help you build uh, nerve muscle fiber uh, tissue which means you're actually going to start repairing your nerve tissue in your brain 
Just by lifting weights. Just by lifting weights. And there's about five other things that can change the health of your brain just by being uh, fit and, and, you know, moving rapidly, you know, in the, in the sense of this kind of thing. So the, the second step would be naturally to just work on those sh uh, fast twitch fibers because everything gets stronger and more, more defined and your metabolism goes up and your tissue repair goes way up. Most people are going to say, wow, oh, I, I noticed you've been exercising. You're probably a couple of minutes in by now and you look five years younger. Hmm. This is Fusion Health Radio and we're talking to uh, Dr. Michael Smith today about why your muscles are amazing. Uh, we've learned that picking up rocks and putting them down is uh, a good thing. Uh, we learned a little bit about uh, fast and slow twitch uh, with regards to your muscles. Uh, what else do we need to know? Well, let's say we've got lots of little spark plug mitochondria going from our circuit training. We're getting really good fast uh, twitch fibers from our uh, more accelerated kind of circuit training. Um, the next thing we want to do is try and work on a bit of cardio. Now, it's important with respect to cardio to try and keep your period of time between, I'd say, 25, 35, maybe 40 minutes max. Because once you get past that 40, 45 minute mark of, could be jogging, could be, uh, I don't know, biking or any of the cardio machines at the gym, after about 40 minutes, your body becomes uh, catabolic in a way that um, is going to help you lose weight more rapidly or lose fat more rapidly but at the same time induces a certain amount of stress hormones that tells your body you're running away from something. So catabolic is? When your body starts using up important tissues to pay for what you're doing. So the body gets into a kind of stressed out state and yeah. starts robbing from itself in order to protect itself. And at that state you're going to be burning protein as, as much as you're going to be burning fat. Right? And that, that's where catabolic becomes a bad thing because burning off your own protein is, is kind of like burning tires inside of your liver. Like, you know, it's, it's not great for the rest of your metabolism. And um, nothing against uh, long-term endurance exercise. Uh, I think that's an amazing thing that the human beings I know have the potential to do. But as a clinician, uh, I would ask anyone who's considering that as your primary go-to uh, mode of health to get a picture of a marathon runner well into their career and put it next to a sprinter. So I'm thinking of um, images that I've seen of people crossing the finish line of any marathon that I've seen. The Victoria Marathon comes to mind. Mm -hmm. And invariably, there's some tall, lanky, skinny dude who looks like he needs a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and typically that's because of being catabolic, which means you're burning off your own muscle mass to pull off 25 miles. Right. And then, I mean, obviously you have to do that repetitively to train for any kind of marathon. So you've convinced your body that for whatever reason, being chased by something is actually your favorite hobby. Okay. <laughs> so as, as opposed to the images I have of a sprinter, you know, Olympians, that sort of thing, where they look like... Uh, yeah, they look like extras from a Conan movie. Yeah. Yeah. They're totally ripped and big legs and strong arms and just awesome body definition, muscles, everything. Yep. So... That's sort of just a little business card, cue card for what do you want to do with your physicality, your physique, your metabolism, and your long-term health gains. Because unfortunately, uh, and this is medically you know, evidenced through research, people who focus more on marathon endurance cardio than short bursts, high intensity kind of thing like sprints, or obviously just resistance training, weightlifting, uh, their long-term health outcomes don't look so well. They, they damage the heart muscle, um, 
I've had I don't know how, how many patients or people I've trained that have way overdone it and taken months to get normal cardiac to uh, blood volume to muscle function back to normal, like months of, you know, feeling like, you know, they're going to faint because they just way overdid it. And so that's just an extreme stress yeah, to yeah. the body. Yeah, too much of any good thing is a bad thing. But anyway, the takeaway here is if you're going to do cardio, awesome. Try and run, you know, five kilometers once a week or something, or the equivalent of swimming, biking, you know, that kind of thing. But see if you can do what you're going to do between 35 and 40 minutes. Because at that level of activity, you're actually inducing all kinds of good endorphins, but not triggering the catabolic runaway from scary monster tigers and dinosaur kind of hormones. Because hmm. stress hormones make people fat. So here you're running your butt off, and you're having to run your butt off literally <laughs> even farther every week because the stress of running to get your butt looking normal is, you know, making your butt feel bigger. Bit of a vicious cycle there. Yeah, uh, a little bit complicated, but just simple all at the same time. Yeah, just, you know, trust me. <laughs> Vitamin R is good. Accelerated high-intensity things are good. Uh, some cardio is good. So let's say you're one of those people who've just realized you love feeling fit and having great circulation and perfect blood chemistry and normal resilience to stress and blood sugar. And you're really, really happy that you're wearing your belt at the notch that makes you happy. <laughs> you know, uh, you're consistently in the gym three times a week doing some good resistance training. Um, Again, you want to go to failure to form, not failure to function. So you're always really, you know, it's more like a yoga class than a grunt fest. Um, you're committed to that once a week run or swim or whatever for your cardio. Uh, you might want to take up meditation, hint, hint, different podcast, but just imaging my, myself of what I would think a healthy person's lifestyle would look like. Uh, diet's obviously important. But let's say, again, you're consistent. You're just like, you know, you found your happy place. If you keep doing this, you're going to gradually develop a very, very unique structure in your muscles. It's called a glucose transport for vesicle, or we call a glut for vesicle, which isn't all that much easier to say, but at least it's forgiving a little bit. Maybe easier to spell. <laughs> easier to spell. So what a glucose transport vesicle is, is a doorway in your cells that can allow your muscles to burn blood sugar or glucose without the direct requirement of an insulin peptide to transport the sugar into your cell. Now that's like probably a little bit of a geek out for people, but the biggest challenge we face today as a society around health and diet is our blood sugar is all over the place because we keep eating primarily sugars and carbohydrates as our primary source of food. And most of them, the, them are refined, you know, from some kind of grain or, you know, flour. And those carbohydrates are ridiculously harsh on your insulin metabolism. So for example, there's one complex form of starch that a lot of people eat fairly often, and each molecule of that starch is made up of 160,000 molecules of glucose. So every teaspoon of molecules are made up of hundreds of thousands of glucose molecules, and if your metabolism is not very good, you're going to require an insulin peptide to mobilize every molecule of glucose across the cell membrane. That sounds like it would be exhausting. Well, that's why diabetes is, you know, within the next 10 years, it's going to be one in two people in the developed world will inevitably become diabetes. And one in two of people with diabetes are going to have Alzheimer's disease, which we call diabetes type 3. So get to the gym. <laughs> 
it to the salad section of the restaurant or whatever, you know. If a person is consistent and they produce enough of these uh, glut four vesicles and can transport blood sugar into muscles um, without an insulin uh, peptide for every molecule, you've just changed the rules. So you've just told diabetes where to go. Uh, partially. I mean, you still need to have insulin in your blood to be mobilizing uh, any kind of uh, calories, uh, sustaining thing like blood sugar into the, your uh, cells. It just doesn't need to be there like a butler to open every door. Right. Because right? that's typically what happens for everybody. And what happens inevitably for a lot of people in midlife, if that's, you know, you're not exercising, you're eating the sad standard American diet. Uh, you're going to end up with insulin resistance because your body's going to have chronic high blood sugar, which creates chronic high blood insulin, which makes the insulin receptors on your cells go, this has never been, you know, done before in our, all of our history. So I'm going to plug my little receptor site ears and go, la, 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 I can't hear you. And that causes all this secondary damage in your body because having high blood insulin is corrosive. Right? I mean, it causes severe problems, right? So by, by being able to move... Uh, plant-based calories uh, from your digestive system through your liver into your cells with minimal insulin and maximum uh, uh, rate in the sense that you're, you're burning off as fast as you're taking it in you can eat basically anything I wouldn't recommend that carte blanche go back to fast food or you know anything that's got a package on it it just means you now have the little stamp of freedom of you don't need to worry about your calorie intake. And we, in the previous episode, we kind of took that apart more, more precisely. But um, I just think it's an amazing thing for many people, especially post-40, who are, again, notching their pants where they want them to be. Uh, or, you know, they're just super healthy because, you know, they can go to their friend's potluck and eat whatever they want, and four days later not feel like, oh my God, what have I done to myself? So would that explain how some people can eat anything and not gain weight? Yep. As annoying as I know that is for people, yep. Wow. And if it's that way for them, is that because they are physically active and they prescribe to these sort of things? Or is there something else that sort of makes the body get to that place as well? Uh, some people, it's just the kind of work you do. Some people, it's that you are really fit long enough younger in life that your metabolism has established itself as that's your baseline metabolism. And unless you go overtly off the rails with your lifestyle, your metabolism isn't going to get damaged, right? So it's just giving you that kind of sense that, you know, some people genetically are just really lucky that way. Racially, there's some change across metabolic uh, tendencies. Um, yeah, things like that. But I, I just think the main takeaway here is if you can commit to that kind of, you know, moderate exercise uh, in your lifestyle, hooray, it's going to give you the last 20 years of your life back in the sense of you probably won't be under pharmaceutical uh, care <laughs> and or in a home for people that are under pharmaceutical care. Yeah, I see, or I have seen uh, over the course of my life, uh, older folks who just seem to have a whole lot of get up and go. And that's because they've been get up and getting up and going, I guess. Yeah. You know, and I go back to the car analogy. I mean, your metabolism is like the idol of your car, right? So if you have a good metabolism because you keep your car active, it's going to have a higher uh, idle or metabolic rate. And if you have more spark plugs in every cylinder in your car, then you're going to burn lots of gas. And now that we're burning hydrogen because it's now an ec ecologically positive car metaphor, <laughs> you're just putting more water in the atmosphere. So good job. <laughs> Okay, um, so just by 
just by, I don't want to make it that simple, but by being active and doing some kind of resistance training and being more um, aware of your muscles and doing stuff with them, I would think the results would be pretty uh, instant. Like, is it, that, is it that kind of thing that once I start doing that sort of thing, all of a sudden I'm going to be at the top of a mountain and feeling like I can take on the world? or um, If you had the patience to get through the process, for sure. So on average, it's three weeks to get the mitochondrial uh, capacity up to speed in the sense that your body is now happily able to do that kind of circuit training uh, as sort of a normal thing. Uh, once you get the fast twitch fibers going, um, you're going to have more definition. That's going to take a few weeks. And you don't want to stay in the accelerated high-intensity stuff for more than two or three weeks because you'll actually start burning off muscle mass just because you're overdoing it. You know, again, too much of a good idea is a bad idea. After that, you're going to want to work on just regular resistance training. But uh, usually around week six to week eight, people that you know are going to start asking you what you're doing. Hmm. Right? You're going to notice after week three or four that you feel you know, somewhat more invincible, just in, in a general sense. But around week eight, for sure, people are like, what are you doing? Can hmm. I have some? <laughs> and again, it's... The, the muscles you, you mentioned before, how that's uh, affects how we think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm going to say our emotional state. Yeah, I mean, why are fit people happy? Because they're fit. <laughs> well, because they have all the neurotransmitters they're supposed to have. They're clearing off blood sugar faster than normal. Uh, their stress hormones are being metabolized because nothing burns off the edge of adrenaline more than a good run or a, you know a, a good workout. So, I mean, on, on the basis of it, you, know, you want a better brain, you need a really healthy muscle organ and a really healthy gut. So it sounds like when the body is happy and efficient, um, one's uh, disposition becomes happy. Yeah. And then there's a thing I, I like to get into, and this goes back to the couple of podcasts ago we talked about the primal paradigm, is your central nervous system remembers you based on how you feel most of the time. And its outlook on life is based on how it remembers you. Now, if you're overweight, depressed, and um, in a lot of pain, uh, or you know something like that, your central nervous system's outlook on life is, you know, I'm I'm really not that adaptable, and I'm, you know, you know the the kind of shininess to, to the world dims. Whereas if you do what you can to have a good metabolic rate, to to have good lean muscle mass to body fat ratio to uh, even the, just the act of working out in terms of fitness, your nervous system remembers you as a body and a being that has an, a natural kind of adaptive confidence because you're out there doing something. You know, as long as you keep doing something positive, you're going to become more positive. If you sit and wait for something you're taking as a supplement to kick in and work and hope it might turn out to be positive, you know, that might happen. But you're being kind of passive because there's always opportunities to try and improve the positive. So the idea of being active with your muscles, is that where the superhero analogy comes in? Well, the superhero analogy comes in when you're consistent enough that you're having um, you know, better sleep, better overall sense of well-being, better sex, better everything else, and you have the magic uh, glucose transport floor for vesicles throughout your entire muscle engine uh, as a system. Now you can confidently you know, go traveling on a cruise or whatever and maybe be in the gym less, but you could be at the buffet more and not be going, oh, well, this is the end. <laughs> You'd be going, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I could, you know, go out, go and go on a cruise or whatever for 10 days and not suddenly look like... The, the old joke is if you want to gain weight, 
go on a cruise. Yeah, that's why I brought it up. <laughs> but th- that's the superhero thing is if you're there, you're confident, your physiology has momentum, uh, you've opened up that metabolic pathway for using blood sugar without insulin uh, as directly, um, you're going to live here uh, so much longer and healthier and in a functional way. I mean, and I'm not saying this is a, some of an enabling thing, but some people start in their 60s. You know, they're, they're retired and now they have time. They go to the gym, they start eating better. And within the, the, the space of months, they, they look like they're in their 40s and they're chasing everybody else around because they're fit. Mm. Okay, so in the previous podcast, we talked about why diets don't work. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in there, you talked about how uh, the body comes up against itself and throws the brakes on mm-hmm. and says, hang on. You're only going so far with this, and I think that was with regards to a vascular system and how, yeah. at some point, the body just can't digest whatever's actually. All those roads need to be dismantled, yeah. and that that takes a while. That's not easy to do. So, what is it about resistance training or weightlifting or any kind of exercise as you're describing it? Um, is there the same sort of thing? Is there the same sort of roadblock that's going to come up? Yeah, they're usually called the dreaded plateaus. Okay, you can have a dreaded fat loss plateau, and you can have a dreaded muscle gain plateau. So, is it really dreaded? Well, it is if you're a bodybuilder who's trying to um, go from fitness to a very precise kind of modeled uh, physique where you're going for a certain ratio of um, the circumference of your biceps and triceps to the cantaloupe sized, you know, shoulder muscles to the volume of different pectoral muscles to back muscles to, you know, whether or not you have the V-shaped squirrel suit looking lats or you've just got a little bit of something you could pop if you decided to throw down a t-shirt or something. <laughs> and having trained, you know, some people in bodybuilding, I can totally respect the beauty of what that is. You know, the, the Adonis physique and the, the time it takes to balance out left and right and up and down and everything else. I, I, I don't have the wherewithal, the patience or the, the motivation to ever try and look like that. I'm a martial artist, so I'm more interested in speed and guile than, you know, bulky. <laughs> but, I mean, the people who do that and they do it so well, it, it's just a, I don't know, it's like I want to give a little nod or bow to the people who can pull that off. But the only way you're going to do that is to get through your naturally genetically determined limits or plateaus. So what is the plateau and why does it even come up in the first place? Because your body is, is again, it's always trying to go to the efficiency thing. Okay. So if you can bench press 250 pounds or whatever, um, and you know, you're, you're maintaining those kind of work workouts, your body's going to try and figure out how to do that more efficiently. So it will try and reduce mitochondria, it might reduce some muscle volume because it's trying to do the same thing efficiently now because it's it's like a, an efficiency ninja it just keeps sneaking up and trying to figure out how to do things that way um there's natural genetic potential in the sense of what you do repetitively you're just levering weights up and down because your body's going to say you know i think that's as far as i i really feel like going with that because genetically your body's just like yeah that, that's enough right? um I mean, there's a few other factors around nutrition and stuff as well but the, the plateau is your body just has hit, it has hit a mode of efficiency instead of a mode of growth. So what you do with a uh, uh, muscle gaining plateau is you try and confuse your muscles by doing a lot of weird kind of workouts. So maybe I'll go back to that weird accelerated circuit training thing and confuse the muscle fibers that I'm relying on. And then maybe I'll go back to low weight high reps uh, and run a whole bunch of uh, carbohydrates through my muscles for a while to force the mitochondria pathway to maximize itself. And then maybe I'll go into 
uh, sort of there's this Russian model of, of uh, training where you're only allowed to use weights you can lift up five to six times, right? And that's it. If you can pick it up more than six times, get more weight. There's something called Tabata training where you do like 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off of the same exercise until you basically fatigue the entire muscle, fuel, and burn, and waste cleanup of, of that particular system to its extreme potential. Uh, in, in a sense of intensity and uh, overall time. And I mean, there's 20 other possible examples, but basically you just want to take whatever exercises you're doing and say muscles today, it's draw of the hat. And we're doing mitochondria today, or we're doing fast twitch tomorrow, or we're going to do the torsional movements to make the different uh, muscle bands work harder. So it's just basically to go from your, your typical uh, biceps and, and, and back, triceps and chest, lower body split workouts to let's do something really weird until the muscles start to, to grow differently. And when we talked about the, I guess the wall, the plateaus in and around uh, losing weight, I think more people are interested in getting past that um, block um, so that they can lose the weight that they want to. Yeah. At least I can assume they are. Then people are wanting to get past the muscle plateaus. If I'm just wanting to do a, a everyday health regime mm -hmm. and lifting weights and that sort of thing, and I'm not interested in becoming Mr. Olympia or the next greatest Arnold Schwarzenegger type guy, do I even need to worry about the plateaus? Does that affect me at the level that, that I'm at, where I'm assuming most people would actually be? Uh, no, but it's more fun to decide to switch it up. Mm. You know, I mean, I have lots, lots of people that I work with that um, their goal is exactly that. I'm in midlife, I don't want a muffin top, I want to have a reasonably good physique, physique because I was recently divorced and I'm now on the prowl. And this could be men or women, if just if you're listening, feeling that that was in some way sexist. Um, and uh, that's their goal. But at a certain point, there's a kind of fatigue to the nervous system, which is we're going to go back and do the same thing again this week. Nah. And then people lose a sense of vitality around their exercise. Whereas you go in and say, okay, today we're going to do everything on a balance board. Or, or bent over a yoga ball, or we're going to do everything, you know, on one leg, or everything's going to have to cross left to right, or right to left, or, uh, you know, whatever. Then, you know, you're, you're back, you're back kind of like in the gym, going, wow, I'm, I'm in a creative place, a playful place. So it kind of speaks to the, the motivation that uh, the body needs in order to keep doing whatever exercises you're prescribing. Yeah, and you could say, and if you're a person who likes the, oh, I had a good workout because I'm sore, you can be sore in places you didn't know you had muscles. <laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah, I've had that before. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like the, the idea of uh, muscles uh, being part of the body, an integral part of how the body functions. Um, I mean, I'm going to have to listen to this podcast myself. <laughs> I've just been through it, but I'm going to have to listen to that again. Um, it sounds like that, that, that whole thing is, is, a, is an understanding that most people just don't get around exercise. Yeah. And I'll throw this out there like the gauntlet in a silly little medieval movie, you know, if you know what that expression is. I dare you, if you hear this, to do this for at least one month, three times a week, in there, picking stuff up, putting it down. And then the show notes for comments, I just want to know, I did four weeks and I feel good, great, amazing, better than ever. Uh, I hurt my elbow. This is my lawyer's phone number. <laughs> Kidding. Um, you know, but just to try it because it's once you get past the three-week window and you start feeling your metabolism shift. I mean, everyone has this little sneaky smile hidden inside their face, which is <laughs> I just discovered the secret to being happy and healthy, and it's the simplest thing ever. Pick up rocks, 
put them down. down. <laughs> okay. You can all get our caveman accents worked on. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there's any, even any movies we could reference. Quest for Fire? There you go. <laughs> they didn't talk too much in that movie. Um, did we cover everything? Yeah. Okay. Very thoroughly, I hope. So please get out there and see what happens for you by trying out some vitamin R. Your muscles will say thank you. This has been episode seven of Fusion Health Radio. I'm Anthony Santa. I'm Dr. Michael Smith. And uh, you can follow us online. You can look for us on Facebook. You can leave comments on the podcast page uh, or on Facebook as well. Let us know what you're doing in and around moving your muscles. Uh, sorry, let Michael know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be learning from it too. And we'll see you in the next podcast. All right, everyone. Make fitness your lifestyle. Have a great day. You have been listening to Fusion Health Radio. Please add your comments or post a question at Facebook slash Fusion Health Radio.